Hello and welcome back to episode 10 of Football Revisited. I'm joined today by uh, Luke Buttle and Nathan Burke. Unfortunately, Rob Owen can't make it today. However, we'll enjoy with the other two. Luke, how are you? Good, thank you, sir. Good, thank you. Happy New Year to all the listeners. Spurs won, so I'm in a very good mood. Cheers. And on the flip side, Nathan, how are you? Yeah, uh, I don't want to talk about football, really, the way Liverpool are playing, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, apart from that, all good. Perfect for a football podcast. I was going to say, it sounds like you're ready for the Football Revisited <laughs> podcast. So, Born for uh, In this week's edition, we will cover a few things. We will cover um, the current COVID crisis in Britain. We won't go into politics. However, we will discuss how that affects Premier League football, Football League football, and also football in general and sport in general. We'll look at the title race if we can call it a title race, in early January. We'll also look at the two teams, perhaps, or one who Luke Buttle has been especially vocal about who was going to go down straight away. We'll look at the teams restated for relegation, and then we will finish with our usual draft selection. So, to start off, gentlemen, I think we have to start with COVID. Now, clearly... Levels have increased. Uh, it was as of today, which is the fifth of January. There are forty cases, positive cases, in the Premier League. Now that is up from the previous highest of eighteen. Now I don't think it's shocking that there's an increase because obviously we've had a few games cancelled over over the festive period in New Year. Um, with Britain as a whole in lockdown, albeit governed by the national government. Is the argument for stopping the Premier League a valid one, Luke? Um, I'd say it's valid in that I can see the pros and cons for both sides of an argument. Um, what I would say is it is quite alarming that it's doubled twice in two weeks, the amount of cases. You know, the game last night, um, Alex McCarthy had to pull out last minute because he tested positive. Um, and to be honest, I'm quite surprised it's taken this long for it to happen to get these many cases. They seem to have done quite well since the start of the season, but obviously with so many games and travelling, it seems to have picked up. Um, I'm of the opinion that I still don't think it should be cancelled. I don't see the point of doing it now. You know, we're nearly midway through the season. You're better off just carrying on. You know, if people drop out because of COVID, it's kind of tough luck. That's the way it goes. You know, look after your players better. I know there's been a few players this week or during Christmas, have broke some COVID rules. If they don't break those rules, do Man City, for example, have those cases? Who knows? But uh, I think players need to um, look after themselves more, really, because it just seems like they don't really care. You know, they're fit as fiddles, and they seem like they're not bothered by the, by the risks of COVID. So once they sort that out, I think uh, cases should drop and they should be okay. But Burke, it's tough call. Very... Sorry, but is um, Burke, I just want to come to you there. Is there a risk that um, Premier League footballers are perhaps seen as, for want of a better phrase, pieces of meat, um, and that the product is more important than perhaps the health of players? Because you know, like for example, I'm a teacher. I'm currently home. Te- uh, I'm teaching from home. You know, it's a job. At the end of the day, are we placing too much emphasis on these footballers going to yeah. work? You're working from home because you can. Footballers can't. Their job is on a football pitch. So I think they should... I, I think, as it stands, with the situation at the moment, they should still be playing football because of the protocols in place. And although the numbers are up, also the number of tests they've done are up, it's almost a 1,000 more tests in that week than the previous high. So it's like almost double the amount of tests. So you have double the amount of cases, which is what you expect. So in terms of the ratio, the percentage, I think the percentage of tests to positive cases is still only 1.7%, whereas the previous high was like 1.3. So there is a spike, but it's not as big a spike as it looks like. And I think if the players take more responsibility, like what Bud said, I think it is a safe environment, as safe of an environment to be in as possible. So I think crack on, play on, if it gets worse, then stop it but as it stands play um i'm interested in that last sentence you said i was just going to ask you know obviously you know it's all hypothetical and um it's a difficult question to ask you on the spot now but are there any circumstances you 
can you foresee where you think, right, no, that's a tipping point. They can't carry on now. Yeah, I think the word in the Premier League used was that an overwhelming majority of clubs have no positive cases. So the 40 have come in a cluster of a big minority of clubs. I think if that spreads and you've got the majority of clubs having multiple positive cases, then whether you stop it or you try the fire brick thing that was kind of tabled a few weeks ago and take two weeks out, everyone on lockdown, Premier League, and then try restarting. Um, but yeah, I think the tipping point is when multiple clubs, not when multiple numbers, because you could have one team breaking all the protocols, skewing the numbers. So you, uh, would you go along with that? Yeah, to, um, for me, I think once we've had a couple of postponements now, I think if, if there's in a game week, there's 10 matches, say say half the games are postponed, that's when I think there'll start to be issues because it's going to be really hard to fit those fixtures in. Like, it's easy enough to go, oh, you know, we'll play them in a month, we'll put in midweek. But, you know, there's so many teams, so many competitions going on. You know, these players have got to play the Euros as well in the summer. It's not so easy to just go, oh, we'll play it down the line. So, you know, the line's going to come forward and they're going to have to play. Um, so, yeah, I, I think at the moment, it, it's not as bad as it seems in terms of the Premier League. I know the UK as a whole is quite bad. But as a bubble, as a Premier League, I think they've done quite well. And, it seems to be okay, but yeah, I think there's quite a bit of way to go until they're talking about stopping it again. Uh, well, I, I just, I just need to just go on to one thing you said there. Um, Jose Mourinho is quite critical of the Premier League the day on Instagram. Um, yeah. I won't tell you what I think yet, but what I want to ask you about is, um, I thought Jose Mourinho had some valid points, and I think my question to you would be, have the Premier League been a mistake in their handling, in your opinion? Especially when it comes to the late cancellations and the uh, uh, of games, because you know, for example, Mourinho said it was at two o'clock. I think he put an Instagram post out. Six yeah. o'clock, the game's kicking off. Um, and I look at it, and I think with all the inconsistencies. For example, West Ham lost their manager David Moyes, who was actually at the game. He was there, and then he was told he had to go home because the track and trace had kicked in. But the game went ahead, so you lost your manager. Yeah. Um, and yet, Man City's game of the day was off. Uh, over the festive period, and yet they played the other night. I think they had five or six positive cases, but they still played against Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Sheffield United have been hit massively, and yet they played every game. Mm-hmm. So, have the Premier League made a mistake with their handling, or is it just one of those things and everyone's just got to be a bit more understanding? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I wouldn't say so much a mistake. I just think they haven't been as transparent as they could have been. So like with Man City is a very good example. When that game at Everton got called off, there was no explanation of why. It was just, they've had COVID cases. You know, they, I think if they'd come out a bit more strong, and I don't even know the chairman is, and they can't remember his name. Um, if he had come out and said something and explained why a bit more transparency to everybody, I think it wouldn't be too bad. But on the whole, I think it has been pretty good. Like I take your point with the Fulham game. You know, that obviously should have been called off a lot sooner. Um, than four was before kicked off. That's that's quite unprofessional. But yeah, for me on the whole, it's, it's they haven't done too bad. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I think transparency was the the word you used there. But just yeah. make it clear for everyone: if the situation is this bad, the game gets cancelled. If it's not this bad, it plays on, and then everyone knows where they stand. I think that's all that's needed. Yeah, because there's no hard and fast rule, is there? It's just it's more what's the word? It's guidance rather than if this happens, yeah, this happens. Teams have the. Option, yeah, so you know, I, I do get the point as well. If somebody would tell me, well, it's good for it's all right for Man City because they've got lots of players, they could just play the game because they've got a big squad. Whereas a team like Sheffield United, they don't want to be swapping five, six, seven, eight players who've got COVID. So I can see the argument there in terms of competition, but I think with this situation, you kind of just have to say, well, just suck it up and crack on. It's, it's a weird season, let's just get to the end of it and hopefully, yeah, and I, I think. I think the competition in terms of, oh, you know, um, Man City have got a bigger squad, so therefore they're prepared. At the end of the day, with this, it doesn't actually matter who the players are who are infected. If you're infected, you are... Like Kevin De Bruyne has got just as much chance as some youth player from Manchester City is passing it on to someone else. Yeah. Like, we're not talking... It's nothing to do with ability, football and ability. It doesn't matter who they are. Mm. They can still pass it on, so... Uh, for me, the the idea that I, I wouldn't even I don't even think about who the player is. It's just the number, isn't it? And 
have they been in contact with with others? Um, we'll put a pin in that COVID talk for now because I do think in the next few weeks it'll come up a bit more, I think. Um, so we'll move on to what's been a weekend full of, I think, questions and answers, to be honest. I think there's a few teams who have um, struggled. There's a few teams who have put their hand up and come back into the mix. So probably the best place to start was uh, the current league leaders. So last night, Burke, bad night to Liverpool, um, just never got going. My question to you would be, are the injuries catching up in Liverpool? Is it that something deep as a play? Or is it just a rut and they'll come out of these things? Um, I think that something deep is the injuries, personally. Um, I think not having as many leaders on the pitch is affecting them. Um you got Thiago making only his second start yesterday and I was guilty of it, expecting him to just run the show and it's not that he's only his second game, it's also the fact that he's been out for so long injured. Um, so I think it's a lot of disjointed performances. Front three are not on form um, and then on top of that then you bring in the injuries which we've spoken about before. Um, the struggle. The worry for me is the, the lack of ideas um, going forward. But people have criticised Liverpool um, about that before, and they've won leagues and Champions Leagues off the back of it. So I don't think it's a major problem. Obviously, the list of points dropped, the teams we've uh, dropped points against, is scary. When you think Brighton, Newcastle, Fulham, West Brom, um, Villa, and I'm sure there's a couple more. I think I counted seven just before coming on. Um, yeah, it's, it's really bad at the moment, but after everything they've done the last couple of years, I don't think uh, we can jump to conclusions just yet. I'm sure they'll turn around. Hopefully, it'll force maybe a sign or two now in January, and uh, I'm sure it'll all be good. But before I bring the same question over to you, I just want to give you a stat that I read today, all right? So, actually, um, expected goals, so obviously that's based on where the shot was taken and so forth, there's a few factors, but... When Liverpool played Crystal Palace and they won 7-0 away from home, their expected goals that game was 2.56. Since Crystal Palace, so in the game since then, so we've got about three, I think, three games, four games, Liverpool's expected goals have been 4.41. And they scored one. Which suggests that they're actually creating the chances, but not taking them away. So, my question to you is, is it time to panic or... Should Liverpool fans just be calm, back the team, and think it's all right? Yeah, I, I'd go with the latter there. I think, you know, it, I, I take Burke's point in terms of the points you've dropped, the teams you've dropped points against. That is a bit of a concern because they're not a very good teams. Most of them are in the bottom six. Um, but, I mean, this team has been banging in goals for basically three seasons, and they've gone three games without scoring. So, when you look at it in, in comparison, I don't think it's... It's more of a blip rather than, than an issue. Um, yeah, I think it's just accumulated that. Firmino doesn't score a lot of goals, did he really? So he's not scoring. Salah's dropped off a bit. And Mane has. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too concerned, to be quite honest. And if you look at the table, if Mane were in their game in hand, there's still only three points behind. So, you know, it's not that bad. But I look at the Spurs with the same a few weeks ago. We lost a few games in the bounce. We won one game. And we're only three or four points behind. So... Yeah, I think uh, you know what fans are like. But I on a Liverpool Man U game though. Yeah. It's a while where they were top, we were behind. Where the game was more for Liverpool fans, pride. Last few years, probably been the same for United the other way. Now you got both teams top two. Yeah. I think it's really nice. I'd say it's a bigger game for United though, to be quite honest with you, because this is the one where this will. If they win this, that's when you go, oof. Okay, maybe there is a title race on you. They can put a marker though, can they? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the teams they I've watched them I watched them against Wolves, watched them against Villa, to be honest, they were quite lucky to win those games. You know, the other two teams played well and possibly should have won. So yeah, I think they need to um sign of champions though. Know. Well, yeah, you could look at that. But they're not champions, are they? So they gotta prove it. Yeah. They gotta prove it. Liverpool One last out. thing on the Liverpool book. Um looking at last night now, you're Henderson and Fabinho centre back together. Um Liverpool really disjointed. They couldn't, especially in the midfield. On the paper, that midfield last night on paper looked a really nice midfield. Oxygen, yeah. you'd look at it, you'd think they can play together. They should be great. 
So my question to you is, does it actually show perhaps the, the intangibles that we don't think about that maybe managers have to think about more, the importance of players maybe understanding their role? Um, because when you see the gap that's been left in the midfield since Fabinho's shifted back, since Henderson's had to go back now, you know, it's not that Thiago or Wijnaldum are any worse than Henderson or Fabinho, for example, but is it just their understanding of what they need to do? And so in a wider football sense, you know, do we downplay maybe how important it is that a player understands exactly what their job is? Um, I think in different teams, you have different levels where that's important. And I think Liverpool last night, that wasn't the case for me. I think because you had the same against Newcastle and West Brom in the last two games before when Fabinho has been back in defence, but they should be used to that by now. You've had uh, Henson in midfield for those games. You've had Milner in midfield. You've had Wijnaldum in midfield. Players who have played there for years under Klopp know what's expected and we're just not scoring the goals we should be or even creating the chances we should be. It was, what, 70th minute before Fraser Forster made his first save of the game and it was a scuffed effort from Monday. I think the West Brom game did, was there any, it was one of the games where there was, uh, wasn't a shot on target. The, yeah, the West Brom game, wasn't it? They scored early and then I think it was I think it's just a poor run of form. Man, they he's not playing well, Sars not playing well, and then like I said, Firmino doesn't score goals. Um, they're so easy to play against at the moment because the full backs, especially Trent, is struggling. So I think as soon as maybe a big win is needed, and Man you could be the perfect kind of springboard for that, and uh, maybe a sign of him. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. But I'm going to ask you now, just outright, get out of the way, because I think I feel like if we didn't talk about it, so we're not going to go to Spurs yet, don't worry, but if we didn't talk about this point, because it's been, it's been pretty, um, I think it's been overused, the starters now, but since the start of 2018-19, Man United have won 32 penalties. The next closest is Leicester, 24. Mm. And then after them is 18 for Man City and 17 for Liverpool and Chelsea. Do we read anything into that? Is it just potluck? Is it that they are perhaps at the moment getting some favourable decisions? Or is it just the way they play? It's a tough one answer. I think it is a mixture of all those things you just mentioned. Because if you take the Villa game, I personally don't really think it was a penalty. It was a soft penalty. You know, you see that outside the box. Is a foul given? Maybe. But I don't think it was a clear and obvious foul and a penalty, to be honest. So you could say that's a bit of luck because it's at Old Trafford. Um, but then I would say the way United play, they got a lot of fast players up front. They break quickly, whereas the defenders then are making rush decisions because they're under pressure. So that should accumulate to more penalties. But yeah, I, I didn't like Klopp saying that because it just sounds like a bit of an excuse and you know, you're champions. Yeah, it just seemed a bit... I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't like it, but I can understand because you probably feel a bit under pressure. But under pressure, like but no, because they are not getting results, but uh, it was kind of a throwaway comment that he's probably sitting there going, oh, I wish I didn't say that, because that's the whole thing now. Or maybe it's worked, maybe it's taking the pressure off his team, and they're talking about something else. So, it depends which way he wanted it to work, but yeah, it seemed like an excuse. And, probably yeah, one, fair, I thought it was a pen, and I think the ref gave it, didn't he? VAR didn't overturn, yeah, the, ref the ref gave it. So, yeah. I, th- I don't think there was enough there to take it away. And then flip side, you had the man they won last night um, with Walk Peters, which I thought was more of a foul, but the ref didn't give it, and there wasn't enough there to overturn. So I think you just got that. If the ref hasn't given it, but not there to re-ref. You've got exception. You want to be good enough. Um, and that's the penalty thing. There have been some horrendous decisions with VAR. Yeah. I'll be honest, I look at it. I... I don't even think cycling VAR anymore means anything. I, I, re- I really don't. I mean, like you said, I, for the life of me, I can't understand how you, I see some of these pens being given and I just, I, 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 but I, don't, I don't understand the rule. I, I just don't. I, and I couldn't tell you what's going to get given, what's not going to get given. So Would, would me, you say that Marnie one was clear and obvious? Because I, I, to be honest, I, don't, I didn't see it because I was watching that part. But then I saw Dermot Gallagher this morning. He says it wasn't a penalty. So, you know. Well, it, was more, it, this, was, it was more of a foul than the one on Pogba. Yeah. yeah. But just because the but ref... Michael Oliver. Yeah, exactly. It. So, 
a non-pen. That's I, I think that's better as far shouldn't get involved because it wasn't. If you're saying you can't say definitely, it was clear and obvious. Those things should be just left to the referee and just go okay. Play but on. I think my like, problem was is. last night. I just there's so many challenges and I just looked and went, how was that not being given? But uh, there was one on Mo Salah where he's getting headlocked and the rest they just did nothing. And I just think, and and you watch the game and you watch a game an hour later between someone else and you see getting free kicks given for barely anything. So I, I, you just lose faith in the whole system there. Because, like, well, there was a handball that I thought, I've seen those given all season long. Yeah. I think at the start of the season, that would have been a clear pen. Yeah. I think they had that kind of chat about it about 10 weeks in or something like that. Today, and you've seen less of them being given. Yeah. Talking of penalties, Bruno Fernandes has played 30 games in the Premier League. And I come back to it all the time. His record is unbelievable. He's been involved in 33 goals, 19 goals and 14 assists. Is it too simple to say that Bruno Fernandes has completely changed Man United and is dragging them to their position right now? Is that unfair on the rest? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd say that's unfair. Because, like, look how many points they've won just from penalties alone. And yeah, you need someone to put them in. But he's not won the game. Like he's not dragged them over the line. He's just scored the penalty. I think he's he's been a very good signing for them. Not taking anything away from that. But to say he's kind of led them to to a title if it, they go on to do that would be simplistic to say. Just because the majority of points get them out of penalties, which as long as you got a penalty, like if James Milner scored ten penalties for Liverpool and won Liverpool one league, you wouldn't say James Milner led Liverpool to the title. Yeah, to, I, think this, I think there is a bit more to that, though. I think he is oh, driving them. I think he's making... <laughs> yeah, I think we can't do that. I, I do think he's making players look better than what they are. Because the, the evidence is there. Before he was there, the same players were there, and they weren't as good. He's come in now, and they look a lot better. I'm not saying they're any better, but he's making them look better by you know putting the ball on the plate for somebody, you know, making a good pass when somebody else doesn't. You know, These small things, I think... He has made a big difference, but uh, is it enough to get them to a title? I don't know. I don't know. Man, you're a weird team. I, I can't put my finger on them at the moment. So. That's my next question to either of you. Are they good enough to win the league title? Oh. Um, yes, because everyone else is bad enough to lose it. True. I think I can't see a standout team. I think we've said it before on the podcast. We've mentioned it before when Spurs were up there, well, I know they still are, but when they were top Sims, we said weird season. They, you can't say it's impossible for them to win the league, and I do use the same argument for Man U. Um, um, after the Newcastle game, I'm, I was speaking to Robert at the time, and I said we're not winning the league, and then they go and do that um, last night against Southampton, and I'm not confident enough about Liverpool to say no to Man U. Uh, uh, but I, for me, there's a big difference because. It's, there's one massive difference between Spurs and Man United, and that's the manager. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What about Dolly Gunnar Solskjaer suggests that when, because in a way, I think calling a title race now is, is bonkers because it's January. There's no pressure on. There isn't. Liverpool could lose two games in a row now, and you'd think, oh gosh, yeah, that's going to be difficult. But then if they were to go and win five in a trot, all of a sudden you'd be going, oh well, nobody remembers Southampton away on a Monday night. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there's one team I do think, and I think these are the biggest rivals to anyone trying to win the league, and they've hit some form. Manchester City. No, they had a really impressive win on the weekend. Phil Ford then, in, his, in the first 45 minutes, he had a goal assist. He created more chances than anyone else. Luke Butler, should he be given more game time? I think, I think he, he definitely deserves... I don't think he deserves to be a starter every week. He definitely deserves... Be playing more, uh, more often. More than he is, yeah. Um, yeah, to be honest, I was going to say that Man City are kind of going under the radar, which probably suits them at the moment, considering you know, how well they've done in the last few years. Um, first five minutes is probably one of the best performances I've seen for a while. Probably the best performance I've seen this season from one of the big boys. Their run um, of games as well coming up. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's really nice games. Oh, so, well, they could easily go six in a row, couldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. They got two games in hand there. I think if they win both of them, they're a point ahead. And I'm like sure that. it's against teams that Liverpool all drop points against. I know Fulham's in there, Sheffield United's in there. 
There's a burden yeah. in there as well. Yeah, like those games that Liverpool are dropping points in. Mm. If they go six from six or even five from six, they've beaten Liverpool in the same games, and that's just a yeah point. And they've got the squad as well to deal with these running games where you know they could bring on Amares or Jesus or you know Aguero's back, going back to fitness. You know Laporte's not even bloody playing, which I'm gutted about my draft. <laughs> but you know there's players I got. Zinchenko played in the weekend. You know, he got just slotted in. So yeah, I'd say Man City have gone under the radar nicely. So Do my Man team when we did the predictions um, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Man City yeah. Liverpool. But then um, I did have my enough points. Well in the meantime, Chelsea are dropping further and further back. No clean sheet in six games. Burke, Frank Lampard, is is this just a rut for him? Has he got it in him to pull him out? Or um do you think? No, is it as bad as it sounds? Is it as bad as it seems? It's not as bad as it sounds because they've got they've got a good enough squad. I think the squad can get him out of jail. I don't think he's good enough to turn them into a title contender. Um, in the same way, like I was speaking to someone on the weekend, and I think he is exactly like Arteta, just not good enough for the job he's in. I know Arteta's picked up three wins for three, but I don't see him turn Arsenal into title contenders. In the same way, I don't see Frank Lampard. The squad will get out of jail. I'm pretty sure they'll get top four um, just because of the players on the pitch. But I think Chelsea do need a new manager to kind of push on. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the um, graphic on Monday Night Football last night of all the you know, average points that each manager's had. He's bottom of all the Chelsea managers in the Premier League. Yeah. So like one, averaging one point or something. And I think the biggest thing for Frank is if you look at all those managers before, those managers began a lot more to the squad that they got right now. And there's managers yeah. out of a job right now, like your Allegri's. I know Poch has gone out, but there's some other managers. Tuchel. Tuchel, yeah. Who could get more to that squad? And that's his biggest problem. Where Abramovich, you know, he's like, you know, yeah, it's Frank. And he got the job because he's Frank Lampard. Yeah. Um, he has affinity to Chelsea, but you spent 200 million and you've got to be getting results. He's put the pressure on himself, basically. You know, he could have said, no, no, I don't want to buy these players. I've got some youngsters here, I'm going to go with them. But he was happy to spend 200 million. And then the day the buck stops with the manager. So. Right. If it was a level playing field, so let's say um, you were the same players, they were the same budget, everything, yeah. and you were, you're, you're in charge, which of these managers do you think you would trust more in charge of your club? Arteta, Soska, or Lampard? Can I choose neither of them? Neither of them? Because <laughs> so I, I don't trust any of them, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I think they're all just basically got a job because of how they played in their careers. They haven't shown anything of note to get the jobs that they've got. And, you know, you could say, all right, fair play. They got, they did the hard work in their career and they've got an opportunity in. They haven't taken it at all. So I would say I would pick another manager because <laughs> I don't yeah. like the options. So, yeah. Is it the same for you? Is there no leader for you? Um, I'd, out of the three, I would have Solskjaer number one, but that's more damning to the other two because <laughs> I don't rate any of them. Like, I'd go Solstra and then I'd find it really tough to differentiate the other two because I don't rate them at all. Uh, if I had to, I'd take the third, Lampard second. It's a horrible question. Right? Yeah, sure. I like it. Yeah, like, I, I'm I saying... I would prefer Big Solstra's Sam in number one. one. Big Sam was one of the three. <laughs> then I'll say Big Sam. Solstra's number one. Uh, I don't want to be misquoted because I still think he's probably the 18th worst manager in the league. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't, I won't go to um, Big Sam yet because I, I know that uh, we haven't covered Spurs yet and I think that they are worth talking about at the Big moment. Big Sam's going to Spurs. So, <laughs> you wish. So, um, but good win on the weekend against Coach of the Year, Marcel Bielsa. Um, <laughs> Spurs, is it, were people too quick to rule them out or is it just a nice little run? You know, you watch them every week. Oh, what do you I... think? I don't know. I, honestly, I, I've gone through the middle of the last few weeks. I, I don't want to think. But um, no, I, I, I don't know. I might have told, told, told this too, but I could see, I, I was very sure that we were going to beat Leeds purely based on how they played against uh, United away. They were never going to change. Spurs were perfectly set up. Jose was probably licking his lips going, yeah, we'll have these today. Kane, Son on the break, we'll smash him. And yeah, we, we were tuning it up at halftime. And we didn't play that well. And that shows you. These are just naive against the big boys in this in this league. So, yeah, 
it's nice to get the win because we were on a bad run of form. But similar to Liverpool, Spurs did it a few weeks ago. We lost two or three games, drew a couple of games. Everyone's having a go at us. And now we've won one game. And, you know, you just asked me the question, are we back in it? So, yeah, we'll my, see how it goes. See how it goes. My question to you, but uh, define a good season for Spurs from now on. From this point forward? If I was to ask you now, from where we are now, January the 5th, what would you consider a good season? Good season would be top four. Maybe squeeze in, I don't know, because it's really uh, tight to the top. And definitely a Carabao Cup win. You know, we're playing tonight. We have to be Brentford. If we don't beat Brentford, oof. But that's been a good season. That's, like, that's been the textbook. Yeah, but I don't think we can just This is what Spurs go... need for the last, like, 10 years. Yeah, like, but... Look where you are. I've had this argument before. I've had this argument before. We have not been a consistent top four team. We have been for the last four or five years, but over the period of the Premier League, we haven't been consistent in the top four. I think so we need to get there first. You know, you've got to walk before you can run. I don't yeah, think but... it's realistic for me to go, oh, if we don't win the title, or if we don't even compete, it's not a good season. Yeah, but to imply that you're not at that level, you are. I mean, we've already said that it's one. it could be one of those seasons. And if you're saying win a trophy... Don't say Carabao Cup. Go Europa League. Go the Premier League. Like, don't say the Carabao Cup. No, I'm saying the Carabao because we should win tonight and then it's a one-off game in the final. So it's more realistic for us to win. Oh, yeah. I'm Go saying win it. I'm saying win the Carabao who... Cup. But don't define your season. Don't build your season on the Carabao Cup. That's what I'm saying. Hey, I'm a Spurs Win fan. it. Move on. Forget about it because it's nothing. Oh, I want, right? It's not realistic for me to sit here in January and go, we should be competing for the title. Because in my opinion, Man City and Liverpool are a lot better than we are. And if they get their act together, they should be running away with the league and fighting it between them two. And the rest are the rest. If so, I was to tell you now, Spurs win the Carabao Cup, they finish sixth and they get to the last four in the Europa League, how would you feel? I'd be disappointed then. I'd be disappointed. But you've got your even trophy. Though, even though we'd be in the champ... Oh, you said uh, semi-final Europa League. No, I'd be disappointed because we should be getting top four. Where that's our aim at the moment. Let's get a consistent top four club. And then move on from there. So, yeah, it's got to be top four. So, again, top four is more important than trophy? No, both. No, if you have to pick one. If you have to pick one. Top four or Carabao Cup? Head says top four, heart says trophy. <laughs> Just because I want to win something. I tell you what, I can win top four all day long, so... Yeah. Top four or Carabao Cup? The Carabao Cup. Then yeah. The top, hey. top four, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. Hey. You two have been lucky the last few years. You've won the league, Champions League. You've been, you've had a nice run of uh, cups. So, be nice to get Spurs on. <laughs> Let us have some club, but who won't be winning the Carabao Cup this year and will not be playing the Europa League semi-final? Sheffield United. Oh. Take the floor and just wipe I, the floor. I don't. I don't need. I know. I, you know. I don't want to rub salt in the wounds. You know. You know. I, I've called it, but you know, I, I thought it was quite obvious. But um, yeah, to lose. 15 out of your 17 games. I think it's the worst start ever in the Premier League. I didn't realise it was that bad. Me and Rob were talking about it on the weekend. Yeah. I thought they were at least on like, I don't know, is it West Brom's on eight points? Yeah. I thought that was Sheffield. Yeah. I thought they grinded out results. I didn't realise they were on two points. Sheffield United are 12 points from safety already. Which is way too much. They're not yeah. winning four games. Um and yeah, that's even to get to the the next team. Yeah, so. that's just to catch up. Yeah, so um, yeah, I, I do feel a bit sorry though because I have gone hard on them, but they're just they're just You're a championship right. team. They, yeah, you know, yeah. And at the end of the day, I don't really blame the players because they had a hell of a season last season. Fair play to them, you know, they did exceptionally well. Um, but the board has, has let them down. They you know they haven't spent enough money. They should have done what Aston Villa did, bought in four or five players as first team players. We play some other boys who have done well, but you know, once you get to the top, you gotta to be a bit cutthroat, and loyalties can't stay for long. So, yep, they kind of get with it. I am surprised Chris Wilde is still there. To be honest, I know you lot have said he'll stay all season. I thought they might have sacked him to have half a chance. Kind I of thought they should have. Bob did. Yeah, but there's no point now. I I really don't see the point of sacking someone and going right. Yeah. Get us twelve points to even have a fight. Well, I think I like you said. I think. Um... I mean, we were all, other than you, we all thought, oh, no, well, that's quite safe. But when it's historically bad, then mm. it is difficult to make an argument to keep him, isn't it? Yeah. Um, one club who have made that call was West Brom, obviously, with bringing Big Sam back. Burke, 
tough start. I mean, you got a point at Anfield, a very good point at Anfield. Um, but other than that, it's been a really difficult start for Sam. What, you know, where do you think go next? As, oh, it's the biggest challenge I think he's ever had. Like, it's the worst squad he's gone into. And we've said about him saving teams. He's never saved a team this bad before. Um, on the prediction episode we did, though, I did say, when we were discussing teams going down, I said, what one of those four teams, the one that isn't going down, is the team that gets Big Sam in. And I'm going to stand by that. I think a part list, the situation was awful. It went this bad. Came in January, made a couple of signings. Jeffrey Schlupp, I remember, Van Arnold. Was it him who brought in Mihailovic, or whatever his name is? Um, it was him, but I don't think it was in the season he came in. He brought right. in Sark on loan. I think it's harder to get players now. You've said that, Sims. But I think if you can get players buying into his way, it, it works. It does work. Yeah. And, um, yeah, six points off, is it? Like, off uh, being clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see a big Sam team getting back-to-back wins. Um, so I'm going to say West Brom stay up. I didn't mention Brighton before when we spoke about it, but now I will. I think Brighton are part of it. Fulham are safe as well. So who else is left? I was like, say I think you backed Fulham last time because you said that Fulham were. You said I think I'm pretty sure you said that the team who can score the most. Yeah. Yeah, and Fulham looked likely to score. Yeah, I'd say so, Fulham safe, Brighton down, and who else? Burnley. Burnley, yeah. Burnley, Burnley are there. The results. You know well, they might be spending you, the cash. Is yeah. it possible to mean put Newcastle down there? Yeah, I, I'm. They've gone under the radar and they're slowly dropping down, mm. aren't they? Um, Brighton are taking the big maximum. They're missing Lascelles for another few weeks as well. And with the situation with the owners, I can't see them going out and... I can see a lot of the other teams around them just buying a player in January just as, as cover, someone to come in. Newcastle don't see that. And with injuries, I think um, they could be in trouble. But I'm going to say, yeah, Brighton and Sheffield are my two. Definites. You'll have to come back to me another week for the third. No, that's fine. But, uh, but so obviously, Sheffield, you've always got there from day one. Uh, anyone else you feel? Oh, no, they're uh, gone. Well, I'll be honest, it's a sad day because I, I hate to say it and I don't want to see it. But uh, I have to, you know, I have to be real. You know, I can't lie to the layers. Lie to the layers. I'm lying to myself. Um, but no, I, I think West Brom are just, I, I get what you're saying. He can, they'll defend like they did Anfield. They can nick a point here and there. But I just don't see who's going to score the goals. Like, you know, when he went to Sunderland, he had Jermaine the forefront. Well, he's buying Trent Costa. Oh, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> All he's done is score against Spurs in a one-all draw. So, I mean, that's the thing to, to back that. So, yeah, I, ju- I just don't see where creativity or the goals are going to come from. And you can defend as much as you want. But you can't nick a 1-0 or 2-1. You know, are you really going to stay up? I don't know. I don't know, but I've been calling Brighton for a while because they have, I think they've drawn the most games. They've drawn eight games. It's in half their games. Yeah. And they just, they can score goals. They're a nice team to watch, but they just concede stupid, stupid goals. And... As I said about them being one of my definites, I remembered how actually well they did against Wolves coming from yeah. 3 1 down. So yeah. I don't know. I'm going to just block uh, it Sheffield. They, Come back to me with the other two. They've got a pretty horrendous home record as well, funnily enough. Brighton. Yeah. yeah. Consid- yeah. You think that that'll be the team where. The home record will be good, um, and then they might nick a win or two away from home, and that'll be enough. But they've actually really struggled. And you look at them, you think Neil Mopp, eh? he, he's bang, he's bang average at times, isn't he? Like I don't know, he, he seems to nick a penalty once in a while, but is he going to get you 15 a season? I don't think so. Yeah. And then it comes back to what you said. Then is there enough there quality-wise? I say they got three players. You'd say have got quality high, like in terms of. They deserve to be high up the table. But the, the three players I'm going to mention are all known for being injury prone: Adam Lana, Danny Welbeck, and Tarek Lamptey, who yeah. on their day are better than a relegation team. But they've all had multiple injuries already this season. I think that's why they're down there. Yeah, I think Brighton will be alright personally. I think they'll pull out of it. Can I just chuck one more in because I got a lot. Stick for this. I think Burnley are safe. I honestly think they've turned the corner. I called it. They got their players back, and they got. I know they lost to these if they won now, but you know they're not getting battered by teams. Well, apart from City, but they always lose five 0 to Man City. 
I just think they'll yeah. be okay. They, you know, they've just had a takeover, so maybe they got a bit of money to buy some a couple of players in in January, and yeah, I think Burnley will be. I think I think Burnley's strength, what they've got ahead of everyone else is they won't, they never will, and they never have um, moved away from what Burnley is. Burnley, you know, they've got two yeah. big centre halves, they've got two big boys up front. They're going to try and go wide. They're not going to have any flair in midfield, really. It's a working man team. And it doesn't matter when they're losing, winning, drawing, Sean Dyche is going to play that way. And I think as long as they stick to that, yeah. the teams who tend to get into trouble are the ones who panic and start altering how they are. Yeah. And I just think Burnley won't do that. So that will give them an advantage anyway, I think. Yeah. Happy players, happy players too, Paul. <laughs> and, on, and on that note, we will end the roundup for this week. Now, this week's draft question was uh, decided by you, Luke. Am I right? Yep. So, what you can just, you can explain? Yeah, it's pretty simple. So, obviously, goats is known as you know, greatest of all time, um, but we're flipping it and doing goats in a bad way. So it'll just be from this week's uh, or last week's fixtures, people. Uh, players, managers, coaches, fans, pundits, whatever. Somebody who did something bad or said something stupid or bad performance, whatever. So, something in a bad way. The worst of all time. All time being. <laughs> the worst time. of all time. But yeah. just something bad. <laughs> yeah, something worst bad. of all time in the last seven yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've gone 14 days because I've gone from the last podcast. <laughs> okay, fine. That's fine. That's fine. Do you want to decide who goes first, Matt? Um, no, because I haven't thought about it. Um, Bert, have you still got that sweet? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. I mean, I thought there's a, there's normally a trivia question, but that everyone who listens can get involved with. <laughs> oh, well, I haven't thought of one. All right. Um, I thought I'd have to do the chocolate. Sims can pick. No, I'll tell you what. I got a trivia question. Five goalkeepers have scored a goal in the Premier League. Round Robin, naming them. Oh. And then... If you can, if you can't think of one, you're last. We'll go with that. He just might go. Correct. Paul Robinson. Correct. Ben Foster. Correct. Tim Howard. I don't know actually. <laughs> um, Tim Howard scored for Everton yes, against yes, Bolton. Yes. Against. Uh, Oh, Here's no. what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make an executive call and say, Burke, you are starting this draft. Okay. <laughs> we with Brad Friedo and Asmi Begovic. So they were six then? Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Also, that meant if we'd have had all six of them, we still wouldn't have known who to go first. As if you were getting all six. Mate, we, I, 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 I was there. just saying yes to whoever you were saying as well. I would have lost because I, I wouldn't have guessed one of them. Last 14 days, worst of all time in 14 days. So it's not all time, but there we are. Asterix next to it. Yeah. Right, was it me first? Yes. Cool. Um, okay, so for me, um, the worst of all time for the last 14 days, um, it's to do with the game week that was kind of between Christmas and New Year's. Amazon had the rights to all the games from that game week. And um, for me, they've showed BT and Sky how it's done. So for me, I'm going BT and Sky as one, the TV company's worst of all time. Um, Amazon have had better pundits. It's a better show. And the biggest shout out, we all know, to, goes to the best commentary, commentary team about in John Champion and Alan McCoist. They could turn an awful nil-nil between Stevenage and Yeovil into a highlight of the week. Um, they're pushing ahead, gets better every time I see a game on Amazon. Whereas with Sky, I feel it's going the opposite way. Um, and with BT, it's like when uh, Leicester won the league and Spurs came third in a two horse race, and that's where BT Sport are now just the worst of the worst. Um, so yeah, Sky and BT, lucky yourselves, better yourselves, worst of all time. That's my number I one. Absolutely love that one. Let's hope we never get sponsored by them in the future. <laughs> they don't listen back to this pod. <laughs> and I'll tell you why I love it, because I have got one very similar with a slight twist. This is what I've got down. Sky commentators. Nice. I think they are absolutely appalling. Martin Tyler's time is done. Just get him out to there now. 
Gary Neville is turning on me more and more every week. My big, big, big problem at the moment is a refusal to call out anything that is, can be perceived as negative. So, for example, the standard of officiating in the Premier League, we all know is rubbish. Instead of just coming out and saying in mid-game, well, that's clearly the wrong decision, yeah. they try and rationalise it. Now, I'm going to leave BT. I know BT bringing Peter Watt down, and that's another discussion in tech. But, for example, uh, I watched a little bit of the Chelsea-Man City game because, I mean, as I've pointed out, I actually am, at the moment, really not happy with football. So I'm dipping in and out. But I watched a little bit of it, and I was struck by Martin Tyler, to say, and I think it was, was it Alan Smith? Alan Smith, yeah. They were amazed at how fresh City looked against Chelsea. Not thinking that Man City had eight days off prior to that because they'd had their game cancelled. So there's one. And then the one that really, I thought, right, football's not for me anymore, was when this term, this was the term used, and honestly, God, it was the worst thing I've heard in a while. Saka, Laka, Shaka. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Honestly, I'm done. Nobody's got a clue will be here. They don't know what is apparently, what isn't apparently. So they sit on the fence until the decision yeah. is made and they go... Oh, yeah, well, I can see why they've done that. Not adding anything, are they? No. Tell me something that I don't know as a casual fan. Don't, te- don't explain to me what I'm watching, as in literally what I'm watching. Tell me something I don't know. Tell me something that happens in the week prior to the game. Tell me what goes on in the changing room when you tunnel down at half-time in a big game. Don't just tell me, oh, Mourinho sent them out early. What does that mean? Do you know who um, does what you're asking Beth and anyone, Sims? Ali McCoyst. Ali McCoyst. All day long. Number one. Honestly, yeah. he, he wrote more of football. Honestly, he's unbelievable. Worst thing is, um, Saturday, Sky Sports turned on the old firm. He's commentating that. So Sky have got them. Mate, move him to the big games. Not the old firm isn't. I mean, move him to the Premier League every weekend. I said this to you before. In my opinion, you've got two ways to go as a commentator. You can either be the McCoyst, where you know that you aren't going to offer maybe the tactical insights. Um, but, you know, he does offer a little bit, but that's not what he's, he's about, is it? No. He is about entertaining you while offering you a glimpse from a professional footballer. Yeah. And that's fine. That's his niche. Or you can go down and become, you know, a real analyst of the game, breaking it down, explaining to people what's going on. Tell you who's quite good at that, and it'll be quite controversial. Danny Higginbotham is quite good at that. Yeah. The football league ones, the football league ones are a bit better yeah. than the Premier League ones. Because for example, when's the last time you saw Jamie Redner break down a game? <laughs> he never has, is he? And so with, with the Premier League ones, especially pundits, it's the same conversations every week. Paul Pogba, should he play every week? I'm sick of that conversation. All the time. And it's the same every week. But, so, but Sky Commentators, they've had a bad few weeks and I hate them. Before we move on, but um, Ben Foster hasn't scored a Premier League goal, so it was five. (laughs) I didn't say it, so it's fine. Um, Two brilliant picks, fair play. There was was down my list, but uh, let's go with something else. I'm going to go closer home and with Spurs. Even though we won 3 0, brilliant result against uh, high flying Leeds, I'm going to go for a player who has really struggled since coming in this season, was bought for, you know, 15 million, not great money, but everyone thought he'd sail into the team and has looked absolute garbage since he has come in. The last few games, he's had a bit of a run in the team. Jose's has given him a chance, playing him a wing, right wing back and right back. So he comes on, plays as a decent game and set the world alight. Gets a yellow card, okay, fair enough. And then in the last seconds of the game, the game's done dusted. You won, you've got a clean sheet, happy days. He makes a stupid second foul, gets a yellow card, and gets sent off for no apparent reason. And deservedly got the death stare from Jose Mourinho, who I hope gave an absolute bollocking after the game. Because if that stare was ending to go by, he probably was crying afterwards. So my first pick is Mount Doherty. That's the kind of thing Mourinho hates as well, isn't it? Yeah, it was so petulant. It was like, oh, mate, like you've, you know, you've had a really bad start to your Spurs career. You've just got back into the team. He's giving you a chance. And then you get sent off. And now you can't play in the next game. It's just, yeah, just stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. And he's first time. I like it. I like it a lot. Oh, yeah. it is he's my in sense. my fantasy football team start season. So I'll go along with that. 
It's going to sneak yeah. back to you, Bert. Yeah. So I got a few down, but we've spoken about quite a few of my picks. So I'm going to go with something we haven't spoken about. So mine's going to be a specific um, position on the pitch. So it's going to be Chelsea's midfield because I thought they were just so bad, so, so bad. Like N'Golo Kante, I don't know what's happened to him. He was absolutely, you know, I can't remember what goal it was. I think it was Kevin De Bruyne's goal yeah. uh, from the corner. You know, mate, you're a World Cup winner. What are you doing? You know, you're meant to be one of the, the better players in the team, the, a leader, you know, you've won things. You know, one of the best CDMs in the world and he just didn't look like he could be bothered to play. You know, Kovacic, played Real Madrid, played the Chelsea now for a bit, big player. Didn't turn up, and yeah, just just nothing about the Chelsea midfield. You know, Kevin De Bruyne was playing as a false nine at all the time in the world. So yeah, Chelsea midfield needs to back up. That's my second pick. But yeah, that that has been a bad week for them, isn't it? There was but, another Chelsea player on my honourable mentions. My, that. Is it honourable? You may have guessed it actually because I tried to stay pretty neutral on the whole thing earlier on when we discussed it. Uh, Premier League <laughs> as, a, as an organisation. Got to the top. I've gone right to the top. I picked a fight with a big man. Yes. Honestly, I think it's absolutely scandalous. And I mean that. I think it's almost, it, it is ineptitude on the grandest scale of all that they had a whole lockdown to discuss what are the protocols. If the numbers increase, like they were told were going to happen, if we cannot play games, at what point do we know, right, what happens if we have to end the season early? What, who wins the league? Do we void it? Do we push it on for a few weeks? Do we build time into the calendar to have that extra few weeks in case games need to be played again? Do we maybe sacrifice the League Cup for a year? Do we somehow make the FA Cup smaller or the League Cup smaller? The only thing they've done, the only change in the schedule they've done is have one leg in semi-finals in the League Cup uh, semis. The only thing. They're all that time, they were so concerned about getting the game back and fair play, they got it back. But after that then, the first thing they should be thinking of is Right, next season, how do we make it work? It shouldn't, every team should have known before going into this season what happens if games are cancelled. What happens if worse comes to worse and we need to have another break? How long do we need? How long, will it, how long are we agreeing to for teams to go back and train? Because, for example, if they had this fire break now, like Big Sam called for it, if they were to do that, and they would have two weeks with no, nobody in the training ground at all. I don't think these players can just come back and go straight away. So you're going to need another two weeks, maybe. That's a month already. Yeah. And hopefully they don't have to. They don't have to do it. Hopefully there's, you know, it doesn't even come up. And it's just a few games here and there. And we've come through the worst of it. But the fact that there was nothing done already. Is and the lack of leisure and the silence now is staggering. I think George Mourinho was bang on. I genuinely think yeah. he's bang on. It is an absolute disgrace. It's a joke. They're so far beyond. Honestly, I can't believe they're all that time and they've done nothing. This has been building up for the last 45, 50 minutes, is it? Oh, mate, it's <laughs> <actually, laughs> I had to sit through. Me and Bats were saying, yeah, 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 right. yeah it's all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what I tell you is it's a nod to my professionalism that I managed to just go, oh, right, I'm moving on, you know. All the while, clocking it. <laughs> Honestly, I, the thing is, as a Liverpool fan, I just sit through shouts of null and void, um, oh, you can't possibly play on now, all this rubbish back in lockdown one, when cases are far lower than they are now. And yet here we are in January, the same people in football who are saying it won't do that, are saying, no, oh no, you carry on. Which, you know, everyone's got, pro- everyone's got a bit of hypocrisy now, I don't, I don't care about that. My problem is, though, you cannot turn around to anyone and say, no, oh, we're actually going to null and void you now. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, actually, we're going to go on points per game. We're deciding it now, in January. No, they won't do that. No, of, no of course they won't, but they can't. That's, that's my problem. Like, if they'd agreed before the season, look, if yeah, it comes yeah. to a point, this is what we are going to do. And you are all signing up to it now. And unfortunately, you know, hopefully it never comes to it. But if it does, this is it. 
There's nothing in place. There's absolutely nothing in place. I agree. Ask I agree. me then. Probably. <laughs> All I'm going to say is hot take alert. <laughs> oh, I, honestly, it baffles me. Um, I'm, I'm not, not going to be as angry. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not going to be as angry at mine. Um, so I'll tell you straight away what it is, and it's higher than the Premier League. Oh God! It's me. I've picked myself, wow. and like I'll explain myself. <laughs> so um, after our last podcast went out, I received mm-hmm. a couple of hostile Instagram messages. From uh, one of our listeners, Adam Lad, Irish Adam, you know him since. Lovely lad. Um, I, yeah. Um, he wasn't happy about three specific points I'd made in that episode. Um, so the first point was where I went in hard on Solstra. So as you've heard, I've kind of, <laughs> I kind <laughs> of <laughs> went back on that. Yeah, so very low today. Uh, basically, since that podcast gone out, I think they've won three games. They've joined Liverpool top of the league. Um, yeah, so Solskjaer's rubbing my nose now, so that made me feel a bit, uh, a bit shitty. Um, second point was um, I said Liverpool were a trophy away from being on the level of like the Real Madrid that dominated Champions League, the Bas team that dominated Europe about 10, 15 years ago, um, and then since then Liverpool have lost um, or failed to win every game Newcastle West Brom and uh, Southampton so again proving how much of an idiot I am and the final point was where I said Wes Houlihan wasn't good enough for the Premier League which I actually stand by but uh, for the other two points um, the egg on my face since then I'm going to go me self-deprecation I was fine I mean, <laughs> I'm just glad that my Instagram's on private because I hate to think of the messages I will have. Oh my god! Angry Premier League fans over the next twenty-four hours. <laughs> I'm probably banned from Sheffield. I'm never set. <laughs> no way. Okay, gashed if I go in there. Oh, there go. That was you, Adam. Well, there we are. I'm interested to hear some of these honourable mentions, gentlemen. Um, Timo Werner was the one I was referring to earlier. We bigged him up in an early episode. Um, me and Butts backing him to staff Liverpool. I know he doesn't look good enough. I'd go Tammy Abraham uh, doing that so bad is. Little fact for you, he's missed eight big chances while only scoring four goals. I saw a montage of the misses. It's ridiculous. Just, I still believe in him. I'm still believing. He's him. shocked, don't he? He's just confidence-wise. I think once he gets confidence. Yeah. The old cliche, as long as he's getting in the positions. Classic. But on the mentions. Can you guess? Goats in a bad way. Somebody who set a record this week or last week? Trent Alexander-Arnold? No, Sheffield. Oh, <laughs> they were the first ones. On. I said Sheffield, the whole club, everybody involved. The whole city. Is that is yeah. honourable mention? Kelbrook and all, everybody. Yeah, everyone was on there. Who else? I had, I had Liverpool's front three, but we spoke about them. So Who's um, Sheffield's assistant manager? Oh, I, I no don't idea. But he's in Fred as well. He looks yeah, like Mr. Manager, if ever seen one, of a pick. He looks like he should be in the office. Yeah, but basically, <laughs> do you know how him and Wilder start working together? Wilder was his assistant. Really? I don't get how that mentality changes that Wilder then becomes a manager and takes his old manager as his number two. Um, Alan Nil, his name uh, is. Alan Nil, yeah, that's it. Alan Nil. Alan Nil was the manager and Chris Wilder was his assistant. And now it's. Let's right. get him on a point. I, I don't, said. yeah. No wonder that club is on two points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 15 losses. Off, 15 losses. I tell you the biggest winners this week are the three Spurs players, Fornals and Benjamin Mendy, who broke lockdown. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we haven't even talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I genuinely thought. I didn't pick it in because I thought oh, it's too obvious. I thought someone else would do it. Turns out we all went for. I'm worse than them. I'm worse than them. They deserve. They deserve uh, to be goats. Forget all the picks. Yes. They're the goats. Oh, Rob also on a mention. We might see him one day. Yeah, yeah. Podcast. <laughs> right, we'll go on to the final part 
Oh, also, I can't believe Premier League. I'm still right left with that. <laughs> we'll go on to the final part of this week's podcast. Um, so, this will be short and sharp. I'm going to put a seven-minute timer on um, because Spurs are playing and we all want to go and watch it. So, seven-minute timer. There are, we've each got a question. I think it's actually only me and, uh, me and Butts, That's, is it? Yeah. Burke, you asked it last week. Yeah. So, we've devised a high-tech way of deciding. So, Burke, I will take the right arm, please. Okay. Just to anyone listening, I've got a sweet, and I'm going to put in a hand, and then they picked. That's good, because I was going to go left anyway. So, left, this one, yeah? Because the camera flipped. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there we go. No goalkeeper trivia. <laughs> so, but it's your question. Okay. Sorry, Sims. Sorry. To all our listeners, just look forward to next week, because Sims bigged up his question. As the best question we've ever had. I'll be honest, and again, they can follow my Premier League shout anyway. So, <laughs> so, so, okay, mine is, well, I'm interested to see this actually. Um, so, my question is Do Premier League clubs need general managers slash directors of football in modern day football? That's my question. As a player, football manager, my director of football normally does nothing, and I normally just get a next legend in. Just to sweeten the deal, um, but then I look at what like Michael Edwards has done in Liverpool, and I'd have to back the system. Yeah. I think when it works, it can really work for you. And you look at um, was it Monchi from Sevilla? You know, they, you know, he's done a hell of a job. What I think is important. I don't think it's the so much as a director of football, but I think you need somebody. So obviously, your manager is always thinking short term because they need to get results. But I think you always need that somebody looking at the long-term aspect. How do we sustain this? I think it's like any business, you know, because at the end of the day, football is a business. So, you all, you know, the yin to the yang, you need somebody looking at the short-term. Well, every football club's got that because it's the manager. Yeah. But there's not many of them who can look at the short-term and the long-term and equally place it. Um, so, you know, you look at Ferguson, for example, he always managed it. You know, it's incredible skill to be able to balance it knowing when the player is ready to go to maximise their fee while also bringing in the next one. Um, so I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying I think they need it, but I think as long as you've got somebody in the building with enough responsibility that they can be the person who, um, who looks to the long term while allowing the manager to be short term, I think, yeah, it's brilliant. I think, I think more fool you if you don't have it. Yeah. 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 I'd say... Um, high risk, high reward, because I feel when there is a disjointed director of football manager relationship, that's all you've heard about. You've heard it, Man U, I think last few years, they've not been out the headlines with just the situation there with Woodward and the Glazers and every, the amount of stick the ownership system get. If you just have a bad director of football, I think yeah. it's, it creates a toxic environment. So as long as you get it right, I think it's it makes sense and why wouldn't you have it, like Sim said. Um, but yes, like anything in football, it's um, you've got to just make make the right appointment. But yeah, I think it's the positives really outweigh the negatives. And I think I think what you've got to make sure is um, you obviously you've got to decide on one of them first of all. So for example, you look at Liverpool, you think well, Jurgen Klopp is the main decision maker. So if he doesn't want that director of football, then they go. Now, if you look at Man United, you'd say well maybe Woodward is the main decision maker. And his, his say is more of a weight. Well, you've got to decide whose who say is more important. And, and then when you decide that, it needs to be the right person. So I look, look at Arsenal with Arteta and then Edu. Now, Arsenal have moved, they're only using the same agent and they're signing the same players. No, no surprise then, they end up with Louise and William. Well, yeah. you know, clearly that hasn't worked, has it? So yeah. I think when you do give power to that person, make sure it's the right person. And because they've got to work in lockstep with whoever your manager is, isn't it? Yeah. I think it is the way football's going. You see more and more teams getting there. I can't see a Sean Dyche working with the director of football. Like, I think yeah. it is more for the elite, elite clubs. Um, but, yeah, I think hit the nail on the head just with getting the right man for the job. Or woman. Or woman. Um, so you wouldn't hire Joe Kinnear then for a director of football? Well, he's, he's done it all. He's exactly. done it all. I think Chelsea are a woman. Yeah, they have. I think they have, yeah. 
Yeah, um, director of football at Newcastle when he had joke near. He left. Yeah. He uh, did such a good job as manager. They had to get him back. <laughs> you look at it, you think um, someone like Chelsea knows, isn't it? With the way they're, they use the loan system as well, it's pretty important. Because yeah. you, know, you can't expect the manager to be thinking about, oh, if I bring in the neck of these few youngsters, I might be able to sell these on for 15 million in three years' time. The manager's going to win just now because the manager's just thinking, especially the club with Chelsea, if I don't win this year, I'm out. Yeah. yeah. So that's why you do need that, that person above saying, right, right, you, th- you know, we'll get, we'll get your player in, but we're also going to think about getting this 16, 17 year old in, or we'll try and get this reserve goalkeeper in because it'll hit, we'll, be, we'll be hitting the quota for home ground and stuff like that. I think it's just another set of eyes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Bert? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in between to be honest because i can see the benefits but i can see the negatives as well in terms of um you know you could get an ex you know, save spurs now you get like ledley king you know, he's coming towards his career maybe you could build him up to become a director of football he knows the club inside out he knows the club is trying to grow so i think a good, good avenue for ex-players kind of go there's another job in football that ex-footballers can try and inspire to but then like you say i think the big thing is is the personalities um, can can people work together? Because Daniel thing is, man, just gets that, isn't he? General yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. say he's one of the best yeah. out there in terms of, on that side of it. I think as long yeah, as you get the right man working man, under him, there's a successor. There's a lot of chairmen who just go, yeah, but, yeah, I got nothing to do with it, just crack on kind of thing. But um, what I would say, managers, especially now, they just have so little time to you know stop their party on the club. You know, is it is it worth? Then having a director of football to deal with all the other stuff and you purely concentrate on getting results because at the end of the day, that's just going to keep you there. So, yeah. yeah. I think on the whole, I, I if I was owning a club, I would get a director of football in. I think yeah. one of the biggest um, surprises, I think, if I was to go into a Premier League training or spend a week there, I think one of the biggest surprises that I'd have is the lack of time a manager actually spends out on a training pitch. Yeah. Um, it sounds a bit stupid because if you look at like the Spurs documentary, Mourinho's there a lot. Yeah. But I just think in my mind, I think I can I can be, I I can imagine there are a lot of times where a manager goes out, does like 10 to 20 minutes, then the session runs itself, and they've got to go and do something else. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's naive. I I I just think I'd be surprised because in in your head you think the manager is the guy who literally is giving the instructions, but I, I think it's coaches a lot of the time these days. Yeah. yeah. They delegate a lot more nowadays, I think. Big Sam's goes war room. But that's where most of the decisions happen. And I think Sammy Lee and the boys go out and get done. Yeah. Sam Big Sam, little Sam. And on that note, <laughs> Sam, little Sam, <laughs> note, we'll leave it on the, for another week. So we'll hopefully have full, a full roster next week. Hopefully we'll have Rob back. But... For now, stay safe, stay indoors, take care. All the best. Good lads. Bye-bye.